Jesus is alive. Hey family, Tony Palo here, lead pastor of Restoration Church. Thank you so much for taking the time out, listening on today's sermon. I trust that you are blessed today. Let us know how things are going on in your life. If you need prayer, send us a prayer request at 401-585-6343. We'll see you guys around. Good to see everyone out this morning. The Lord is good, isn't he? Just get our spirits and hearts just straight focused, preaching a message called antibodies. In fact, that's a term that we've been hearing a lot um, just in the last year uh, with the COVID virus going around. This is like a key word. If you have the antibodies, you can go back and, and give blood and give someone else your antibodies. So the passage that I'm reading from is in the book of Hebrews having to do with the blood of Jesus. And I'm so grateful that the world's, in the world's greatest problem, which is sin, God provides an answer. God, pro, I, God I'm going to say this so clear, God provides and provided an answer. He demonstrated his love towards us. And he demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So the gr world's greatest problem, which is darkness, the world's greatest problem in our brokenness, the world's greatest problem in our sin, God provided an answer. The blood of Jesus through the cross. I'm so grateful. The blood of Jesus, which is really an interesting prospect, the blood of Jesus. Kind of strange. Being applied to our sin. We're washed with the blood of Jesus. Kind of weird, actually. But the passage that I'm reading from is in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, where the author says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. How many of you have, how many of you have been forgiven? How many of you forgive? Masa meno. Yeah, more. See, this is what I learned. I forgive because I've been forgiven. I'm just a tool of forgiveness. So if you withhold from, if you withhold forgiveness from someone, you'll never really understand the forgiveness of God, the Savior. So I forgive I forgive for selfish reasons. I forgive because I want this to be right. More than I want this to be right. Hopefully this will be, hopefully this is right. We good, right, Mike? We good? But this is right. And so without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And I often ask in doing my research, I'm like, why blood? We read uh, the entire Old Testament is messy. You ever read the book of Leviticus? It's messy. I'm so glad I'm a New Testament Christian. <laughs> But the entire Old Testament is filled with all these bloody sacrifices in order for the sins of the people to be covered. We see this whole history. We read an entire history in the Old Testament. Now, the first time we see evidence of a blood sacrifice was found in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve didn't know they were, they sinned. They didn't know they were naked. But so God uh, creates an opportunity for them to be clothed, for them to be covered in Genesis 3. The Bible says the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. This is really important that we get that word clothed, which means covered, which is a, a completely different prospect in the New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, where we learn that G the blood of the Lamb covers sin. In the New Testament, we learn the blood of Jesus washes away our sin. How many of you know there's a difference? So that's the first instance where God slaughters an animal, takes the skin of the animal, and covers the nakedness of Adam and Eve. The second instance we read in Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, where the Bible says that God accepted 
Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's. We all know the story. Cain, first murder was Cain killing Abel. Now, it's interesting because Cain presents this whole offering of a beautiful array of fruits and vegetables. All right? Everything is so beautifully presented. And as a farmer, he has all these plants and flowers. And it's beautiful. And Cain is standing so majestic near his offering. And God rejects Cain's offering. Because Cain did it with his hands. Now, we go over to Abel, and, and Abel is not as clean. In fact, it's very bloody. It's, it's very R-rated. It's, and, when Cain, and Abel's standing there next to his offering, and Abel's drenched in blood. God says, I'm accepting that offering. Because Abel tapped into something that was going to connect with the ultimate plan for mankind. Now, back to Cain's offering, because I kind of feel bad for Cain because he worked hard. I remember in 2005, because I, I was thinking about Cain's offering uh, with the fruit and vegetables, which to this day, pagans will offer their God fruit and vegetables as an offering. I remember in 2005, when we went to India, we took a train from northern India to southern India. All right? It was a 14-hour train ride. 14 hours. And my seat was about the size of my Bible. And then the seat, this seat, turns into a bed that I, I said that's supposed to be my bed and my wife was in another cabin with the women and I was in a cabin with five six other men that were Hindu priests and the only thing that they were wearing was the di diaper all along wrapped around their waist in between their legs and they were going to their temple to worship their God with fruits and vegetables so they each had their display of fruits and vegetables. And I got to tell you, sometime in the middle of the night, the fruits and vegetables were sitting next to me. Man, I'm like, God, I am hungry. Like, man. So the fruits and vegetables, so of course me sitting there for 14 hours, I say something like, God, give me an opportunity. So what did God do? Gave me an opportunity. One of them happens to speak English. Now for about 10 hours in, they're making fun of me and laughing at me. How do I know? Because they're pointing at me going, ha, 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 That's kind of how I knew. And so we're talking. So this gentleman tells me, says, in broken English, we are on our way to the temple to worship our God, and this fruits and vegetables is our offering. And I said, I as well am going to my temple to worship my God. And they look around me, and they go, where's your offering? And I went, Right here. <laughs> and they quite didn't get that. But to this day, when you read the history of pagans, they offer fruits and vegetables, which is why something that God just turned away from Cain. So there's two instances. The first time is in Genesis 3. The second time is in Genesis chapter 4. We find evidence in the entire New Testament, Old Testament, of this bloody practice. I'm so glad and thankful that I am a New Testament believer. But then we read about three or 400 prophecies, maybe even more, throughout the Old Testament about Jesus being sent as a Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, who would come as the Messiah, who would come as a Savior. So fast forward all the way to New Testament, and 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you to, from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, 
the sinless, spotless blood of the Lamb of God. Now, today is the day that we celebrate a resurrected Savior. Let's get an understanding of this. Today is that day that reflects that that moment when Jesus rose from the dead. I have friends that go to Israel every year, uh, particularly my father-in-law says every time he goes, the Catholics are always fighting with the Protestants as far as where the final resting place of Jesus was. So the Protestants will say, this empty tomb with the, ro- with the stone rolled away is where, where Jesus was laid to rest and he was resurrected. Then the Catholics would say, no, this is the place where Jesus resurrected from the dead and there's an empty grave and a, and a, and a stone to prove it. I say, it doesn't matter where he laid, both tombs are empty, so I don't know why we're, why we're even arguing. But this, this, this whole thing about the blood of Jesus, I want us to understand uh, four main blood components of, of our blood, all right? And understand this, I, I, I sat with a phlebotomist, I sat with a nurse, and I know a couple of weeks ago I said I'm not good with science, and I'm going to give you a quick science lesson. <laughs> I promise it won't last more than five minutes, but just bear with me. Because we got to get this. Four main blood components. And I want to say it together. There's the plasma, red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets. Some of y'all checked out already. Come back. (laughs) Some of you. See, my wife and I have this thing. I'm, I'm not good with blood. She's not good with vomit. So with little kids in the house... If somebody was bleeding, I would take care of it. If somebody, if somebody, she would take care of it. So we always switched on and off. So, but this is important for us to get this, okay? The first component of blood is plasma. Plasma is responsible for transporting the blood cells throughout the entire body. That's the white blood cells and the, 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 the red blood cells. The plasma is responsible for a balancing of the nutrients, releasing antibodies into your immune system, hormones. So it's responsible for maintaining the body's balance. That's, everybody say plasma. Next blood component, everybody with me at home? If you're with me at home, do a thumbs up emoji. Second part of the blood is the red blood cells, which is responsible simply for carrying oxygen throughout the body. Oxygen is important. Everybody with me so far? Third component of blood is the white blood cells. Now understand, both the red blood cells and the white blood cells come from the marrow. Everybody know what marrow is? Is when you eat the bone, you break the bone. How many of you eat the marrow inside? Two people. Oh, good Lord. My mom would always break the bone and eat it. She goes, there's things that Puerto Ricans do. I'm like, I'm Puerto Rican. I don't do that. So the marrow is the tissue inside the bone. So both the red blood cells and the white blood cells are released from the marrow. The white blood cells are specifically designed to protect the body from infection. As soon as your body detects a flu, a virus, a cold, a sickness, a disease, a bacteria, an alien, or any kind of foreign antigen, white blood cells are immediately released into the body as antibodies to fight off that sickness. Isn't it amazing the way God created the body? That is his design. So last week, I gave blood. Nobody's impressed. Y'all don't get, you don't, how many of you don't give blood? Okay, you should have been clapping and should have been impressed. So I give blood, and I'm like, hey, you know, I talk to the lady, I'm like, um, lady, you know, I'm going to be doing a sermon on antibodies. I want to know if I have the COVID antibody. 
She goes, oh, we're not doing that right now. And I was like, oh, man. I said, why not? She says, good news. So many people stepped up and decided to give their plasma who've been tested positive, who had COVID, but they are well now, are giving their plasma filled with white blood cells because that means you have that antibody to bring healing to someone else. The antibody treatment is what President Trump got, and the antibody treatment is what my Titi Chicky in New Jersey got. My Aunt Chicky, who's 69, we were praying for her. She was intubated. She was supposed to die. They give her antibodies. The next day, she goes home. The immune system, so the white blood cells last one day. They immediately are released to attach, attack and attach that sickness, the body's human response system, to search and destroy. Even if you have a cold, the white blood cells release the antibodies in your body. Now, do you know after the antibodies are done with their job, they die off. You know what it turns into? Pus. I like saying that word, pus, and that's it. They do their job, and they die off, and the antibody is important. This is why if you have children, you're encouraged. Don't put your children on antibiotics all the time because when you place yourself on antibiotics prescribed by the doctor, you prevent your own body from releasing its own antibiotics. Does that make sense so far? Now, lastly, platelets. This is simple. Basically, just helps your blood clot. So when you're bleeding... The platelets come to the side of the injury, working with the white blood cells to prevent infection, and the platelets clot the blood. You don't want too much because you don't want a clot forming in your leg, in your lungs, or in your brain. And so after years, this is amazing how God, this is, we could say this is science or we could say this is God. Because <laughs> God put this all together and he said several thousand years from now, they'll figure it out in a laboratory. But God had this figured out. So when I talked to the lady about the antibodies, she said that so many people stepped up and decided to give their plasma to someone else to help save a life. So she says, we have a storage full of plasma. And I said, thank you, Lord. She said, come back in eight weeks. I says, I don't think that's going to happen. It took me all the world of courage to get here today. But for those of you who gave blood, thank you. When you give blood, you could save up to three people. Jesus gave his blood, and he can save, what's the population of the world? 7.6 billion people. He gave his blood to save 7.6 plus billion people. That's my Jesus. That's my God. Now, enough of the science lesson. Everybody okay so far? Fast forward, New Testament. After years of Old Testament living, bloody, a mess, slaughtering a lamb so the sins of the world can be covered. Fast forward now to John the Baptist, John chapter 1, verse 36, who's sent as the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden he's preaching, and he stops, and he says, Behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. This is a completely new concept because up until this point is a covering of sin. But now we're talking about taking away the sins of the world. Now, as a New Testament believer, that is a dynamic that we get to enjoy that the Old Testament didn't enjoy, that Jesus takes away our sin. See, the covering of sin meant this. this. Let's cover what you did, but you still got to deal with the shame, the guilt, 
the condemnation, the, 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 the spiritual consequences that come along with sinning. It's like taking away all the exploding grenades in your house but not repairing the damage. Now we come to the New Testament. The Bible says that he takes away the sin and then goes back and restore the years the canker worm has eaten. Goes back and repairs the damage that you did. <laughs> it wasn't nobody else's fault. It was our fault. The blood of Jesus. Now, to bring it a little more understanding, this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He says, for he who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. Now, interesting because we're always thinking Jesus took on our sin, and he did. But we're going to take it a step further to say that Jesus not only took on our sin, but he became sin. He willingly and purposefully allowed himself to be injected and by this foreign substance called sin. And sin, which is the antigen, and Jesus comes in with the answer, which is anti-sin. And the whole blood of Jesus comes on a search and destroy rescue mission to come after you, to come get you, and to come get me. Getting rid of all the deadly consequences now. This, this whole taking away is important. And there's an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture to help us understand. In Psalm 103, verse 12 says this. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the West. Some of you keep bringing it up. Some of you keep bringing up your own stuff. And God's like, sorry. Don't know what you're talking about. In fact, Hebrews 8.12 really brings insight into this passage. I will forgive your sins and choose to remember them no more. Now, I love that. I love that. And I use this passage. I love that translation because it's closer to the Old Testament, New Testament Greek. He chooses to forget. See, I forget as a product of my humanity. He forgets as a product of his divinity. He says, so you keep bringing it up, and God's like, I don't, I don't remember. I don't, I don't know. Your, your wives ever talk to you about something? You're like, I talk to you. You're like, honey, I don't remember. I promise you. Ariel, this is, it's like 1.30 in the morning. Your wife wants to talk to you. You're like, honey, I just, I'm, I just don't remember. God says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've removed your sin from you. I've taken it away. So when I talk about the antibodies, several months ago, the Red Cross asked for donations. She said they got thousands of antibodies, thousands of plasma donations. So you give blood. They separate your blood into four different components, and they realize that you have the antibody for COVID, and they call you back. You give whole blood again. But this time they take your plasma out, they store it, and they give it to someone else who's sick with COVID. And what that person then does is that person takes on your immunity system. Because you fought it in one, that means they can fight it in win because they took on your blood. Jesus has the ultimate antibody. Jesus has the ultimate fighting system the red blood cells carrying the oxygen to my soul the white blood cells creating the fighting systems against my sin against my sickness against my pain against my agony against the pus from my past that keeps oozing out 
and the platelets come to clot my heart's desires before I bleed out. The platelets in the blood of Jesus gather at the site of the injury, which is the product of our hearts sticking to the lining and creating a platform. We call it a scab. We call it a scar. He calls it a testimony. Don't try to get rid of your scars. Why are you trying to pretend you don't have any scabs left? Your scar is the only evidence that Jesus is alive. The more you try to distance yourself from your past, the more you distance yourself from the power that rescued you from your past. So show off your scars as trophies of God's handiwork. Show off your scars because your scar is the only thing that will convince an atheist. Don't try to run. That platform you see as painful brings power to the testimony of how God has touched you. And remember, where do the red blood cells and the white blood cells come from? The marrow. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive Woo. and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and? So the word of God goes deep within the marrow. Where do I share this scripture? Because the red blood cells and the white blood cells come from the marrow. We had a lady here years ago who recently moved. Her name is Karen. She had bone cancer. So she went through the process of chemotherapy. Her hair fell out. She had long black hair. Her sister gives her a bone marrow transplant. So they take her marrow out and take her sister's, and they put her sister's marrow into her bone. So after her hair grows out, it's not black, straight, long hair. Her hair grows out blonde, straight. She used to have black eyebrows. Now she has blonde eyebrows. The doctor said, you literally took on your sister's DNA. Her sister has long, blonde hair. Come on. This is, the, this is transformation, ladies and gentlemen. It's the word of God. What can set my heart free? The blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? The blood of Jesus. So what has happened here, ladies and gentlemen, on the day of salvation, I took on his DNA. I took on the antibodies of Christ. And when you take on the antibodies of Christ, you take on his DNA, his identity, his personality. You become him. You become like him. You know who you are, but more importantly, you become, you know whose you are. The transformation, ladies and gentlemen, goes deep into the marrow of the heart. So I love John 20 depiction of when they came to the tomb. And he's resurrected. I love this because Peter comes to the tomb and, and he goes into the tomb. First of all, the stone was rolled away. So mind you, you ever think about stuff like this? Like Jesus didn't need to be the stone to be rolled away to get out. He was resurrected and somehow found the... Yeah, anyway, so, so Peter comes up to the tomb and there's no body, but he sees a linen cloth folded. The clothes that the linen cloths and napkin that Jesus had, and the napkin that lined over his face, he folded all the cloths and laid it, and then he left. Go back to the Old Testament. Every time a priest would perform a sacrifice, Passover sacrifice, a lamb, after he was wearing his linen garments, when he was complete performing his priestly duties, what did he do with his linen clothes? He folded it as a sign that as a priest, I am done with my responsibility. Leave his linen cloth and then walks away. Guess what Jesus did as a priest? 
he he wanted to make sure that people got the sign that he was done shedding his blood and the book of hebrews said it's it's just done one time so jesus who was a priest became the ultimate lamb of god who became the risen savior and that one day he's coming back to resurrect and rapture his church coming back for a church that's without spot or wrinkle he's coming back ladies and gentlemen as the king of kings and the lord of lords come on give jesus a hand experienced the sunrise it was nighttime dating back to six years old holding the word to my chest as if the word was anchored to my soul it had a hold over me I sat on a green autumn and weeping for joy and love at that age some believe I knew not what love was but after the words I struggled to read were explained to me and Calvary wasn't just words on a paper it carried weight I felt the hand of Yeshua as if we were face to face he was singing over me I fell in love with my savior that day. Later I learned more about grace, the unrelenting, undeserved favor. Reflecting in my own life, I swore to the Lord I will not waver. I was branded as a child of God from my childlike faith. Until the floodwaters came. I was merely 11 years old, woke up one day only to realize that the sun refused to shine and so I mimicked the sky. There was a time the sunlight was nowhere in sight, only as a reflection I noticed the moon in all of its fullness. The face I see in the midst of darkness, white as snow, and my soul, I questioned why. The faith I once had began to fall back. I lost sight, I lost track. As a blind man waiting for a touch from a man, claiming to be the son of God, son of man, but I can't find, I lost track. As a wayward son purposely leaves the safe place of his father's house, only to find outside of his presence is nothing but swine. Five years down the line, I now recognize that anxiety and suicide are not the only things that have been following me all this time. I tried to hide and run from the blood, but as I stretch my hands to the side and reside in this posture, I see the reflection of the sun. He guarded me from the cost. He bore the cross. So I may be Barabbas, deserving of a penalty, yet walking free. Do not question why I dance, cry, and bow at his feet because he only has given me new life, new peace. I am released under the blood covenant of the Lamb. However, some days it does not feel like you are. I am. We are in the hour before the sunrise. Morning continues relentlessly through night into day, questioning, my God, where have you turned your face? Ripped clothes at the threshold of your door, wishing the Passover would come, yet not pass over this home he knows. 
He knows the doubts you have of his love, presence, and power. He knows the delicacy of your heart, your mind. He made you in his design, bore the thorns to protect his rose. He knows. Allow him to be your safe place. Even on your darkest day when you wrestle with being alive, you are meant to do more than survive. With the Lord on your side, you must thrive. He is never too far out of reach. The blood covers even when you are lost at sea. He sees you. He hears you. The sun is rising. Can you see him? This is, I want to make sure before we leave that every single person here has a relationship with Jesus. You heard the gospel preached, right? Worship, song, dance, rap, spoken word. You've heard it preached in different ways. And this is not the first time you've heard the gospel preached. You've heard about Christ having a plan for your life, him coming back. Yeah, da, da. You've heard it before. Now, if you come to church on Easter Sunday, like millions of people do across the, the country, and you don't have the relationship with Christ, and then you go home and still don't have the relationship with Jesus Christ, I would question why you even came. Could have caught a movie on Netflix or something. But there's an investment. You came today to invest because you were interested in your soul. If you didn't do it for that, you did it for religious reasons to check a box came to church on Easter Sunday, check. But if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm excited for you because this is the moment of transformation. This is the moment of change for you. And I want to make sure. So what we're going to do is we're going to have everyone say this prayer. I want to make sure you catch it. If you don't have that relationship with Christ, I especially want you to say that prayer. And this prayer is this. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I surrender my life to you. Take away my shame and guilt and all the condemnation. Clean my heart. I live for you now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer and if you're watching from home and you said that prayer, Make sure you send us a text message to 585-6343. Let us know. There's going to be two or three people that are going to see that text message. We'll follow up with you. But if you're in the house and you said that prayer and you didn't have that relationship with Christ before and you weren't sure, now you're sure, where are you? Raise your hand. If you said that prayer for the first time, raise your hand. I want to make sure that we catch you. I see you, sir. I see you. Anyone else? You said that prayer. I see you. I see you, sir. See you, young man there. Anybody else? You said this prayer for the very first time. Anyone else here? So let's give a hand to these three folks this morning. This is what I need you guys to do. All right? First of all, the decision you made today, the most important decision you'll ever make to follow Christ. Make sure you see my daughter, Abby. Abby, raise your hand. This is my daughter, Abby, at the first impressions at guest services table. She's going to get you information, all right? Get you information. 
And where's Kaylee? I think Kaylee's downstairs. We're going to hook you up, Nathaniel, right? Dennis and Nathaniel, that's your son, Scott. Nathaniel, make sure we get you hooked up with information specifically for you. How old are you, 10? Eight? Wow, come on. How many of you wish you were eight when you gave your life to Christ? Make sure, Scott, make sure we get him information specifically for him. Young man, young lady, congratulations. Today, the angels in heaven are having a party because you came home. In Jesus' name, everyone have a wonderful Easter. Don't you ever forget that your future is bright. God bless you.